Welcome to the Mile High Church Podcast. Declutter your life at Reverend Carol Wilkie's online class starting Monday, November 9th, using principles from Marie Kondo's best-selling book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Learn more at milehighchurch.org. And now, Restoring Our Dreams with Reverend Zamira Jaswirska. It's really another wonderful Wednesday night. Welcome. Welcome to Mile High. Wednesday is the time when we have invited you to take that kind of midweek spiritual lift that we all need. And we really need it in these times, so I really encourage you to be sure to always stay tuned in to us so that you can stay tuned in to that spiritual place in your life. Tonight's talk is a continuation of our third week of the... um, our third week of the Adventures in Faith. And so I want to remind you that in our Adventures in Faith, we're talking about certain faith in uncertain times, cultivating that certain faith. So I'm encouraging you, tonight we're going to be talking about our dreams. And it's so important for us to remember our dreams. And our dreams, I want to just remind you, I was thinking one of the pictures in the workbook, it's a quote from Jiminy Cricket. And actually, Jiminy Cricket is from Pinocchio. And he did a great song, When You Wish Upon a Star. And what I want to say to each one of us about our dreams is remember that you can't dream if you're under stress. So let go of your stress. And I'm going to suggest that you step outside tonight, look at the stars because we almost have a full moon. Each one of us is made of stardust. Take advantage of relaxing in the universe. And so now as we start, uh, Reverend Zamir will be giving our talk tonight. Enjoy it. Let's take a deep breath. Then let that breath out to get yourself centered. I am so delighted to be here with all of you tonight as we step into this third week of adventure in faith and continue with the theme of restoring our dreams. And this year, it has been such a foraging, like a foraging through the forest. And as we have meandered through this canopy of the trees of change, It has felt dark sometimes and uncertain, and there have been such roots of fear. And it's challenging when we're in the midst of the forest to be able to see the path forward sometimes. We can lose our way and we can be distracted by all of this um, change and uncertainty that is all around, everywhere present. But... In the midst of feeling challenged by our faith, it's hard to hold sight of our dreams. But tonight I want to focus on how we can reach through, reach through this chaos and pause in the midst of so much fear. And take a minute to reconnect with the spirit within each one of our hearts tonight, to connect with our hearts, and to really feel and embody the divine heart so that we have an anchoring point to create, um, to create from within ourselves as we move forward, as we co-create with God, as we co-create this world that we are within, we are in with each other. And it takes looking for that inkling, 
that tiny impulse of possibility and anchoring our attention to it again and again and again. You know, Jim Carrey demonstrates this ability so absolutely beautifully in one of his greatest film moments in the movie Dumb and Dumber. In that movie, he plays the character Lloyd, who approaches Mary, this woman that he loves, to see if he has a chance with her. And their conversation goes something like this. Lloyd says, what do you think are the chances of a guy like me finally ending up with a girl like you? And Mary says, mm, not good. To which Lloyd replies, you mean not good like one in a hundred? And Mary says, no, more like not good like one in a million. And Lloyd says, yes, you mean I have a chance, yay! And Lloyd in that very moment begins to get that inkling of possibility to reach out and to grab it for himself so that he knows, he knows that he has got his work cut out for him if he is going to win the heart of Mary, this woman of his dreams. But he has the courage. He has the courage to reach out and to get that glimpse of possibility for himself. So our dream, our process of restoring our dreams begins with looking past our present conditions, even in the midst of stress, even in the midst of so much fear and so much uncertainty and tension, to catch that glimpse of possibility. You know, my dad is an eccentric kind of engineering guy, and he likes to take old junk, what looks like junk to the rest of us, and begin to transform it into make it beautiful again. He takes family heirlooms, things that he holds dear, that hold dear memories to him, and he begins to transform them into treasures of opportunity. There was this worm-eaten church bench that sat behind the shed on our farm for years. And after a while, my dad began to take this bench and to sand it down and to um, rebuild its parts and to paint it in the color of its original, um, its original um, form. And this church bench came from a church that our Swedish ancestors had founded at the turn of the century. And he took that old bench and he put it out on our porch so that we can begin to enjoy the sunsets together. That repurposed old bench. He doesn't stop there. He, took, he went to all of his aunt and uncle's estate sales, and one time he came home with this dilapidated old piano. And this piano was, didn't even hold its tune anymore. So he disassembled it, and he took the keys and the strings and um, the, the wooden parts apart, and he began to repurpose them, reforming them. He attached an electric guitar amp, and he put it outside to form a wind harp. This wind harp he attached to the internet so that now all of us who are dispersed in other states can reconnect to the winds at the farm and listen to the harmonic wind from far away. He took some old telephone poles, he put them together, made a hay rack, took a 40-year-old couch 
from the living room, put it on that hay rack, and now he drives it around the back 90 with the grandkids all riding around. You know, I couldn't understand when he asked me for my old crushed cell phone, but the next time I was at the farm, there I saw it, duct taped to the telescope, pointed at the bird feeder so that we could take pictures of the birds in the midst of the winter. You see, my dad, what I learned from him is that you can look past those rusty old edges and you can sand things down to see their repurposeful meaning. Because now all of those things are treasures that bring, that serve to bring our family back to connect. And not only that, we are reliving the dreams and the memories of our ancestors through their use. We can do the same thing with our dreams. One of the first things I want to offer tonight is that we can restore our dreams by shifting our perceptions, our perceptions of ourselves. In, week, in one of the first weeks of Adventure in Faith, our small group, we talked about how we can look with divine eyes. What do you need to let go of in your life right now in order to see yourself as God sees you? What might be tarnishing your vision or rusting your outlook? I know for me, in times of stress, I begin to, and when I'm so busy, I begin to get under that trance of not enoughness, not enough time, not enough energy, not enough creativity to create my dreams. And it becomes a heaviness. It becomes so heavy that I actually become, become a little bit blind to the infinite possibility. And I'm so busy trying to deal with the trance, that those old story thoughts, that I don't even, I'm not even writing the new story. So in order to begin to restore your dreams, begin where you are and notice those old thoughts. Sand them down, let them go. And while you're at it, pay attention to any villains, any characters or thought patterns or behaviors that are serving as villains in the present story. And begin to write a new story, casting yourself as the hero in your own journey. And the second way that we can go about restoring our dreams is to reconnect with God is to spend time in the sanctuary of the heart. Mirabai Star writes, enter the garden where the walls melt and the trees blossom in the vibrant quietude. And I know for me recently, it has taken a lot of conscious reconnection with my faith, with, my, with God, to stay open and to receive those divine impulses to feel and to know them for my life. It's taken a little more effort than usual to keep my attention on that glimpse of possibility. And I know what I find that no matter how twisted up I have become in the world events, no matter how distracted I have gotten with the pain and the suffering and the, the, the energy and the tension all around me, that all I have to do is return to that prayer, to that heart space, and spend a little time in that spaciousness there to reconnect. 
The other day I, turned to op I opened the Science of Mind textbook to a section where Ernest Holmes is discussing the parable of the prodigal son. And I think this parable has so much meaning in these times in that it's about the son who takes his inheritance and leaves home and goes out in the world and he squanders it on this extravagant living, so much so that eventually he finds himself hunger, hungry and desolate. And he goes back to his father's house and he's there on the doorstep and he's begging his father. He says, please make me a servant in your house so that I cannot be hungry anymore. And his father says, come in. I've set a banquet for you. And everything is just as you left it. God is the, no matter what is going on in our lives, Ernest Holmes write, writes, the truth is instantly demonstrated. It doesn't come and go. It's the constant. And no matter how long a room has been darkened, it just takes the entrance of the light to illuminate it. I love how the Sufi tradition looks at the heart as the threshold of God, as the altar of God, the abode of God. And imagine what would happen every day if you recited to yourself, my heart is the altar of God. Maybe you'd begin to feel that love, that power, and the beauty of God within you. Your heart is the receptor site for God's work. And through contemplation and stillness and that quietude, you can begin to feel that impulse of God's, of God, and receive the seeds of the divine that are always present and available. Emmett Fox writes, your heart's desire is the voice of God. So spend some time in quiet be in that spaciousness of the moment because all is created from right now. In doing so, you embody the container to receive divine inspiration. And the third way is to courageously step forward, to begin to live your dreams right here, right now, no matter the circumstance, no matter the tension, no matter the unrest. Begin to try them on for size and to walk as if you were your future self. You know, I am part of a wonderful Prac book study group, and we have been reading the book by Joe Dispenza called Super, um, what is it called? The Becoming Supernatural. And I love it. He has this chapter in the book where he shares this practice where you do, you combine visualization and walking meditation. And what you do is you close your eyes, you go within, and you begin to activate your future self. You begin to dive into that vibration. And he even says that you can imagine that your present self and your future self are both tuning forks. And you can adjust your frequency to match so that they are both harmonized. And once you have that anchored within yourself, you open your eyes, you set a focal point, you let go of external stimuli, and you begin to walk as your future self. This is a perfect way to begin to bridge the gap from where you are right now to your future self. In fact, there is no gap in this walking meditation. My daughter Maddie gave me such a beautiful example of this. When she was about 10 years old, she came to me and she said, I am ready to try swimming as a mermaid. 
And she said, so she stepped courageously forward and began to craft herself this mermaid tail. She did the hydrodynamic um, uh, research. She drew pictures of tail design because it was her endeavor that she wanted to create a tail that would cut so swiftly and easily through the water that she could feel herself being a mermaid. And so she began to create it. She took an old garden mat some flip-flops. She duct-taped them together. She spent hours and hours cutting out little foam circles and sewing them to some stretch pants. And then she she put it all together with some duct tape, and she got some water-resistant black tape or paint, and she spray-painted it all. She took that beautiful tail up to the bathtub, hopped in, and began to practice her swim. After a few days and more than a little water on the floor... She came to me and she said, Mom, I have to find out if this tale really works. You have to take me to a body of water so that I can try it out in real time. And at that moment in time, the only body of water that was near us was the Colorado Athletic Club in which we belonged. And my mom's self thought to myself, huh, I wonder what the rules are on bringing external objects into the club. I wonder what they're going to think as this little girl brings this big mermaid tail through the lobby. And most of all, I was thinking, can we really disrupt all of the calisthenics that are going on and the workouts for all of those athletes that are so intent in doing their morning swims? But I put, I put that aside. And I said, okay, Maddie, We'll give it a go. So she marched that tail through the lobby of the Colorado Athletic Club. She took it to the side of the pool. She jumped in, and she began to swim. There were several athletes that day that stopped because it's not every day that you find a mermaid right there in the middle of your morning workout. But after a few moments, she came to the edge of the pool, and her little face came up to the side, and she looked out at me, and she said, Mom! She was so elated. It really works. The power of that moment was when all the other children from around the pool gathered along the side. They came up to Maddie and they lined up and they said, Hey, can we give it a go? And they began to jump into the pool. And that day was the first swim for many budding mermaids. And what I took away was so powerful It opened my heart to that courageously stepping forward. Because when we courageously step forward, saying yes to the dreams, to our sacred dreams, we give permission to all those around us to do the same. I would like to close with a quote from Alberto Villalodo. He talks about sacred dreams that serve the world. He writes, with the courage of the soul, we don't define ourselves by big houses, nice cars, worldwide fame, or social position, yet we can still enjoy all of these. We consider the lilies of the field and how they neither toil nor spin, yet they thrive in beauty and abundance. Yes, we address our needs and we attain some comfort in the material world, but mostly we're concerned with our soul's longing to make the most of our gift and talents, participating in creating a better world. We dream the world that we'd like to live in. 
And while dreams of the soul serve our own needs as individuals, they also serve those of the world. These are sacred dreams, fresh, creative, and able to infuse us with passion and the courage to act. So together, as a community, we restore our dreams. Each one of us has a divine task, a sacred purpose, and we support each other in having and looking with divine eyes, both within and without. We support each other with listening for those divine impulses of God. And together, we follow our stars with that inner inner guidance, becoming constellations of divine light, shining God's light as our expansive expression in the world. And so let's move into a time of prayer. We go within and we take a deep breath, moving in to that sacred heart, reaching deep in and feeling that divine light. For I know that that divine light, that divine spark, shines through all of humanity, through each one of us. It shines as us, through us, and it inspires us to have the courage to restore our dreams, to have the courage to step forward with passion and to act in creating a better world together. I know that right now we anchor deeply in that love and that harmony of the divine, listening for that impulse and holding on to the glimpses of possibility. Because as we go deeper and hold on and activate those glimpses of possibility, our dreams are activated. And they are activated right here in the now. This constellation of togetherness of divine light unites each one of us so that together we move forward. We are anchored even in times of chaos, even in times of uncertainty, even in times of fear, of virus, of of strong emotions, of division. We are anchored in the unity of spirit. And so I feel so grateful this evening to be participating together as a community because I know that as we restore our dreams and share them and share our gifts in the world, we allow this energy to filter out into the world as a whole. And so I am so grateful. I am so grateful for this love, this community that is Mile High Church, for every single being that is tuned in to listen tonight. I am so grateful for all of the sacred work that each person is doing, that is called to do. And so it is with this deep gratitude we release this prayer into that law, that alchemy of love that is 
making it manifest that it is done, feeling it is done as spoken. And so it is. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.